Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz, coming from our humble abodes. And uh, Wes, the Easter Bunny came a couple of days late, but better late than never. We got our headphones back. We got our headphones back. We have microphones. Slowly but surely, Mike, this is turning back into the Packers Unscripted that you and I have grown accustomed to. But I'll say this, it was difficult. It was weird. It, it, it has been something, a challenge, you could say, not doing this show without headphones. Fortunately, the comfort is yeah. back on my ears. Yeah, there we go. We're back in uh, a little bit more in our element. Well, we're going to continue today with our pre-draft series, taking a look at the Packers roster position by position between now and the draft. There is a written series corresponding to this on Packers.com if you want to check out what is there on the website. Today, we're going to touch on wide receivers and tight ends. And boy, Wes, if there is a position that people are talking about this entire offseason with regard to the Green Bay Packers, it is the wide receiver position. Give me your take as of right now on where you feel this position group is heading into next week's draft. Well, there is a lot of uncertainty after Devontae Adams. I think you saw Alan Lazard step up in a huge way last season. But I don't know if a lot of people were expecting that a year ago at this time. Maybe everyone other than Hakeem Butler that I was talking to uh, back at the Combine. I remember him really you know, praising Allen for what he did at Iowa State and what he could potentially add to the Packers offense. He got that opportunity. He ended up getting cut at the end of training camp and ends up having you know, a really star-spangled season for the Packers. So you have him in that mix. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I think as we've seen, Mike, over time, is such a huge playmaker in this offense. He did go through some rough patches last year. The argument that I said at the end of last season, I will maintain this going into next year. This kid still has all the talent in the world, though. I think he was only one big play away from being back in his groove. As difficult it is to you, everyone wants to live in the moment, but if you remember what he did coming out of the gates in 2018, he's an incredibly talented guy and also has some good speed that, you know, when you, when you bring everything else together, you know, can really make up a complete receiver in this league. So I look at Lazard, I look at MVS, and then certainly, you know, this all revolves around Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is one of the premier receivers in this league now. Who can you find to complement his skill set, to bring in a, a Randall Cobb, a Jordy Nelson, uh, a Greg Jennings, a James Jones, those type of receivers that he can get on a run with? Because over the last couple of years here, it's, you know, it's basically been Devontae Adams and a rotating crew finding more established playmakers in this offense, I think is one of the big keys, regardless of what happens in the draft next week. Yeah. I think the way I see this Packers wide receiver group after Devonte Adams is a question mark sort of with each guy. And they're each going to have an opportunity to answer that question. You mentioned with Lazard and how he rose up into that number two spot by the middle of the season and towards season end. I think the question with Lazard is, can he continue to ascend? You know, will his arrow continue to be pointing up in terms of his development? MVS that you mentioned, can he bounce back essentially from a rough ending to a second season that had started pretty well yeah. at the beginning of 2019? Then you look at EQ St. Brown. He lost his entire second season to an injury. Where is he? Can he come back from that season-ending injury and get back to where he was at the end of his rookie season when really he was ahead of MVS probably in terms of the, the playing time and the rotation? And then you have the new addition, Devin Funches, 
who yeah. is also coming off of a significant injury. Packers signed him as a free agent from Carolina. The question with him is, can he get back to the production that he was putting up a couple of years ago with Cam Newton? But I'm sorry, they signed him from Indianapolis because right. his, yes, his lost season ended. injury was with the Colts <laughs> after he had left Carolina. So there's that, that question mark with each one of those guys. And you have Jake Kumaro in that mix as well. He was, a, I guess I would say, a part-time contributor. He made a couple of plays for the Packers, but was never really a consistent threat. I think the Packers are trying to find that other consistent threat on a week-in, week-out basis who is going to influence defensive coordinators in some way uh, similarly to how Devonte Adams is the guy who keeps the defensive coordinators up at night, so to speak, the Packers need to find that other guy and then see what happens in 2019 as far as how the pecking order gets reshaped or restocked, uh, where those guys rank behind Adams. Yeah, because you want to have a wide open competition. You want that to you know, bring out the best in this entire group, but at the same time, I, I think you want to have more established presence is in this offense and. I think that's where Devin Funches kind of fits in because he's a guy that he's only 25 years old. He's not going to turn 26 until next month, but he's already played five NFL seasons or at least been, you know, crude seasons. So sure. for him to come into green Bay right now and bringing his type of, you know, body type and athleticism, I think so many people forget that Devin Funches, he was a second round pick five years ago. Uh, this is a guy that went 12 spots ahead of where the Packers ended up getting Devontae, or yeah, Devontae Adams a year earlier. So uh, he has all the intangibles to be a big playmaker in this league. And the thing I really like about him in this offense, and I've kept alluding to this since the day that they signed him, I just think there's so many opportunities when it comes to his versatility, his skill set, playing tight end at Michigan, playing receiver at Michigan, being a multifaceted receiver in the NFL. There are going to be so many ways the Packers are going to be able to use that type of player in this offense with Matt LaFleur. But it's funny, Mike, because you can throw all these guys in a hat together. There's also an incredibly enticing draft class that the Packers are going to have to choose from as well. One Absolutely. that's I think a lot of people have said is probably one of the deepest that we've seen in the last decade. So seeing how Brian Gutekunst navigates these waters, it, it, those three days of the draft, I've, I'm, I'm convinced the Packers will take a receiver where they take a receiver. Uh, to bring into that group. Because you got to remember, Geronimo Allison's gone. That's 650 snaps out the door. The Packers yeah. have to find a guy to potentially help out fill that. And, man, there are a lot of guys to choose from. Yeah, well, let's talk about that draft class a little bit because, as you said, the analysts are saying this is as deep as it's been at wide receiver in a long time. There are a lot of people wondering, will the Packers use their first-round pick at number 30 overall on a receiver? Others are saying, hey, as deep as this class is, you could still get a really potentially high impact receiver at the end of the second round, even maybe the end of the third round. You look at some of the names, I'm going to just uh, glance off to my notes here. The top three guys at receiver in this draft, CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma and the two guys from Alabama, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, most likely, almost certainly, will be gone by the time the Packers are on the clock at number 30. But then after that, Wes, you have this group of guys. It's about a half dozen guys that are ranked as far as the overall draft anywhere from like 20 to 45. And with the Packers picking at 30, it'll be interesting to see who's available and what choices there are. Or is one of these guys potentially going to last all the way to the end of the second round? And that group in my mind is Justin Jefferson from LSU, T. Higgins from Clemson, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, LaVisca Chenault Jr. from Colorado, Denzel Mims from Baylor, and Jalen Rager from TCU. That's six really, really good receivers 
that how soon are they going to go off the board? How many will go in the first round? How many will go in the second round? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Brian Gutekunst plays this in terms of trying to get the best value at receiver. And then I'll throw out a couple more. K.J. Hamler from Penn State and Chase Claypool from Notre Dame. Those are guys that I think in other years you'd be talking about second round for sure. This year, as deep as the receiver class is, maybe those guys are there at the end of the third round when the Packers pick comes up uh, late, uh, their last pick late on day two. And then, of course, there are all kinds of trade possibilities if Brian Gutekunst wants to work the board and get the best value if he wants to take a receiver early in this draft, which I think the Packers are going to. But, of course, it's one of those things you never know because receiver is not the only position on the priority list. Yeah, when I when I say that I thought they are going to take one this year, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't go that route last year after they took three the year before. So I just feel like that's a position that they're due to address. It's the question in my mind is where do you address it? And as you were talking about, me personally, my favorite receiver in this draft is Henry Ruggs. I, I think he's going to be a fantastic player in this league. I love his makeup. I love everything he brings. He reminds me of that Greg Jennings type receiver. He could play anywhere and make an impact. He's probably not going to be there at 30 though. So that's where you get into the jump. You get into the Justin Jefferson debate and certainly had an accomplished career at LSU. I think there's a lot of things there that you like about him. The Packers have had success with his type of body type in this offense. Devontae Adams is one of them. So that's a guy that could potentially be there. The, the, The one that I keep going back to though is T Higgins because he fits more of the mold, at least the recent mold of what the Packers are looking for in receivers, big physical, and, and, you know, has some athleticism to him. That's the guy at six, four, that I wonder if he's there potentially at the end of the first round, maybe move around early second. Would that be a guy that they bite on? Yeah. And the body type thing is an interesting question because we talked about this with Larry at the combine and whatnot. If, are the Packers going to look for the different body type, more of the shifty slot receiver and add that to the mix? And that's where you're talking about Jalen Rager or KJ Hamler or uh, even Brandon Ayuk to a certain extent, yeah. although he's, he's not a small guy, but he's a yards after the catch guy. One of these guys who's really tough to bring down um, really shifty once he gets the ball in his hand. So I think all of those are interesting possibilities. And maybe we're looking at a, a situation similar to 2008 when the Packers were sitting at 30, you trade back to 36, you pick up an extra pick, and then you get Jordy Nelson. I could very well see a scenario like that playing out here because of the number of receivers who will be available end of the first, beginning of the second. Maybe that happens again. Yeah, the part of it that I keep going back to, though, and we'll talk about it a little bit with the tight ends, although it won't be as much of a pressing thing, but it has been 18 years since the Packers have drafted a receiver in the first round. Mike, I wasn't even in high school yet when the Packers drafted Javon Walker. It's not to make you feel old. It's just, it's incredible to go 18 years and a lot of that. And I was trying to figure out, okay, why would that be? But when you look at the success they had in the second round. Yep. That's where it all is. Devonte Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings. And then you found another stud in James Jones in the third. When you have right. that kind of success in the second round, you don't need to draft receivers in the first round. So that's the chicken and the egg question here that we go into this draft. <laughs> The Packers have had a lot of success in the in the second day finding a receiver. Do they go that way again with the deep class? Or is there a guy at 30 or in that range that could really tempt them? 
Yeah, well, let's talk about tight ends as well a little bit. So not a position that is, I think, as high on the priority list, so to speak, because the Packers did bring back Mercedes Lewis. Jimmy Graham signed with the Chicago Bears, so he is gone. But we saw Jay Sternberger, the third-round pick from a year ago, coming on pretty strong at the end of his rookie year, which was really impressive considering he missed half of the season due to an injury before he came off the PUP list. And then you also have Robert Tanya, another young guy. The Packers are still hoping his arrow is pointing up. He dealt with some injuries and never really found his, you know, real spot or role on a consistent basis in this offense, but that's a possibility as well. So I think the Packers will look to add another tight end potentially in this draft and add more competition to that room. And, you know, Mercedes Lewis being the, the veteran leader at the top of the bunch, but this is not the same tight end draft as a year ago, Wes, where there were two guys everybody was talking about in the first round, the top half of the first round. That's not where this draft class is, and there may not be a tight end drafted in the first round this year at all. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, it's one of these deals where a lot of years it's like this, where there isn't a, a bona fide tight end prospect or at least one that people feel really good about as a first-round pick. So you do look more internally. That's not to say you couldn't go get a Harrison Bryant or somebody in those middle rounds, third day, or, you know, third round that could potentially help you. But I keep going back to what I said last year when the Packers drafted Jay Sternberger. The Packers did not need Jay Sternberger to be a pro bowler his first year in Green Bay. They needed him to learn. And if you followed his story at all and, and kind of how he just, you know, soaked in everything from Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and even to some extent, Robert Tanyan, you understand how seriously he takes this and the competitor he is. And I thought you started to see that fire at the end of the season. He's a guy that, yeah, on his NFL regular season resume does not have a catch yet, but what he did in that game in San Francisco showing some of the, you know, the versatility without having Danny Vitale with him getting the touchdown catch. There is a big playmaker there. And if you follow his trajectory throughout his career, it hasn't taken him long to catch on. So while this is going to be about Lewis and, and being that consistent, you know, inline blocker and, and all around veteran tight end. And while I think Robert Tanyan also has to make a big jump this year, Jay Sternberger's the guy. He was the guy when the Packers use a third round draft pick on him and they want to see him make that next step. Is there a tight end that could come in and help replace Jimmy Graham, fill that spot? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, but I don't see it obviously happening in the first round. Yeah, a couple of things that I'll say with Sternberger as well. One is that when he did get on the field in the second half of his rookie season, I think his blocking was better than a lot of people expected. The, the draft pundits, all the analysts last year were saying he was really raw in terms of his blocking abilities. And as you said, he doesn't take a, a whole lot of time to catch on to things. And I think he was a very productive blocker in the way that Matt LaFleur used him in the offense. The other thing is that uh, I believe Larry maybe had mentioned this in one of our three things videos. If Jay Sternberger had stayed in school another year, he might be the top tight yeah. end in this draft class. So that's another thing to keep in mind, just in terms of, uh, in terms of what the Packers invested there in a third round pick last year, just to throw out a couple of names that are at the top of a lot of tight end boards. Cole Komet from Notre Dame is pretty much the consensus top tight end in this draft. I think there are questions though, as to whether he'll be drafted in the first round or if he'll be a second round pick. Another guy to keep an eye on, Adam Troutman from Dayton. And you know I like this guy, Wes. I wrote about him at the Combine. I just really like his story. A triple option quarterback in high school. Couldn't get anybody at a Division I, a major Division I school to pay attention to him. He goes to Dayton, and now 
he's going to be drafted and he'll be the first football draft pick from Dayton in 43 years, 1977, which I think was before you were born. It was before I even started watching football games. I'll say that. 1977, the last time Dayton had a player drafted. And I'm going to throw one other name out there, Wes, for you. It's a name that Packer fans are familiar with. Thaddeus Moss. Yes, he is the son of Hall of Fame wide receiver Randy Moss. He's coming out of LSU. And I don't want to make it a direct comparison, but in terms of the draft stock and whatnot, I look at this guy a lot like a Jermichael Finley, where he's only in college for a couple years. There's all kinds of athletic ability, but it's not refined. It's very raw. He, he is a guy who is going to need to progress a lot in the NFL, but the ceiling with a guy like Thaddeus Moss appears to be really high. And I'll just be curious to see where he goes in the draft, what team takes him and makes that bet on, you know, the, uh, uh, the ascending young player who really didn't play a whole lot in college, but, but uh, towards the end of his two years at LSU was really, really productive. So there's a couple points I want to raise here. First off, let's start off with Moss. The thing I like about him now, certainly there's been some, some foot inch issues that he's had to work through. Right. He certainly had that fracture that I think he had to have surgery on right after the combine. But what I liked about his short time at LSU is he's a guy that actually did a lot of the little things right. Uh, he was praised for his blocking. He was praised for his energy. Um, and then, that, then you factor in the fact that, you know, he's Randy Moss's kid. I mean, this is one <laughs> of the greatest physical specimens to ever enter the NFL, and he has those bloodlines. I think Moss is a hungry guy, man. I think he's a guy that's going to come in and really, you know, open a lot of eyes. So, and, and not just as a pass catcher. Like, that's the thing is he's a tight end. He plays yeah. the tight end position. And I think he really encompasses a lot of the grit that goes along with that. So I'm excited to see how his story plays out. I want to talk quickly about Komet, though. This is my guy. I, I think Cole Komet is going to be a real stud in this league. I, I feel pretty confident about that. Because so many times, Mike, over the years, they talk about multi-sport athletes. You know, they had a diverse background in terms of their athletic achievements. And Komet is that. This is a guy that played baseball at Notre Dame, too, in addition to what he did on a football field. Six foot six, 260 pounds. This is a physical tight end that I think, with giving the fact of finally concentrating on one sport, getting a chance to develop those skills at the next level, I can see why he's not a first round pick and people aren't projecting him in those first 32. But in my mind, this is undoubtedly the top tight end on this year's board. I'm really interested to see how his story plays out in the NFL. Yeah, well, those are positions not just for the fantasy football folks, but for uh, a lot of teams looking to add those, uh, those weapons to their arsenal, especially at wide receiver like we talked about. This is a really deep draft class. Well, we will continue with our position-by-position position preview series uh, later this week on Packers Unscripted. For now, we are going to sign off. And thank you for watching, everybody. We will see you next time. 